your horse training questions answered. Answered. Welcome to the Carson James Podcast, your weekly boost of horsemanship. No jargon, no fluff, and no BS. Just natural, proven solutions that work. And now, here's Carson James. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This one is going to be a question from Lynn. So Lynn says, hey Carson, uh, my neighbors have a dog pen on their property line which borders my property and when I go to ride my horse outside or take him away, if we get anywhere near the vicinity of the dogs, he loses all focus and locks his attention onto them and I cannot get him to calm back down until we get far away from the dogs. Please help. Okay, so there is, first let's just talk about kind of the most obvious, easiest one that will kind of just allow this all to resolve itself. Uh, Ask your neighbors if you can lead your horse over to their place and lead him up to the dogs, let him sniff the dogs, let the dogs, you know, like sniff him. I'm, I'm assuming the dogs are in like a pen, but even if they're not, uh, if you can, if you can kind of get the dogs to like, if you kind of yell at the dogs and point and say, get or something like that, and they'll kind of go to leave. Well, then you can follow them while leading or riding the horse if you're comfortable doing that. But basically, sort of kind of chase the dogs a little bit and show the horse like hey dude these things will move away from you if you kind of move up onto them just like in all of our uh you know or a lot of our desensitizing videos so doing that just taking the horse over there and and giving him some uh really good exposure could definitely help uh you could even you could even bring some treats or a little baggie of feed and kind of set it up to where the horse is like, oh man, every time I get around the dogs, the, I get feed and that's awesome. I'm okay, maybe I love dogs. You could uh, you could work him kind of hard away and then get him you know as close to the dogs as you can without having to work really hard and let him rest at that area. And then after a few minutes, he'll start figuring out, oh, man, the closer I get to the dogs, the easier my life gets. So it would kind of be the opposite of the Buddy Sour, uh, of the correcting Buddy Sour video on the website. So that would be some uh, some good things. It might also be worth it to find a friend who has a dog and uh say hey can you just bring your dog over and we'll just kind of let it mosey around and uh be a dog you know we'll just turn it loose and let it go out there and check out the horse let the horse check out it let them kind of get to know each other you know things like that so exposure the second kind of what could possibly be an easy fix would be a lot of the times and i mean like way more than you would think it's Just that the horse is spooky in general, but it takes a certain type of stimuli to bring that spookiness to the surface of the horse. In this case, stimuli being a dog. So like in every podcast, the more confident you get him, the less apt the dog is going to be to trigger the the lack of confidence that is already in that horse, even when he seems calm. Okay, so... 
the dog is not the problem. The dog is just the trigger. The problem was there the whole time, which is lack of confidence. Uh, you know, the horse may not be real great at paying attention to the human in the first place. So it doesn't take much at all to get that horse to lose focus and kind of just completely throw the the human out the window and kind of lose his mind. So there's usually some of that going on with this kind of stuff. Uh, another thing is, is the feed. If he's, you know, if he's taking in more energy than he's putting out on a daily basis, this is going to cause him to uh, overreact big time to different stimuli. So uh, kind of think like a, like a, this is just a context, but like a more hay, less grain type of approach. And then when I say that, people say, well, I don't give them grain. I just give them alfalfa and they miss the concept. So like, okay, if all you give them is alfalfa, then just give them coastal or peanut hay, something without as, with, that doesn't have as much starches in it. See if he'll maintain weight on a less hot of a hay. And that can generally help with that kind of things, uh, with this kind of stuff. So you guys notice it's like always a whole, it's, it's generally a whole bunch of things that are out of place. And then it all comes together because of a trigger. And then we tend to think that the trigger was the problem, but the trigger was just what caused it to be more obvious to us, you know? So kind of think of it like that. Uh, that's a good way to think about these things in a lot of cases. The uh, So, uh, trying to think of what else you could do you could do with a dog. Uh, you'll never you'll never see a ranch horse that's afraid of dogs. Uh, I mean, assuming that the ranch uses dogs and there's dogs around. So, exposure is a general thing, you know, just more of it. Uh, really big name trainer I used to work for. The thing I'd hear him say a lot is, "Oh well, no, that's all working fine. He just needs more of it," you know. Uh, so. That's kind of a good deal. Think about just exposing them to it as much as you can. Make it a positive experience. That's why I say, you know, take them as close as you can get to the dogs and then start giving them some grain, you know, something like that. Uh, now there's now we're going to get into uh, a little more, a little bit more higher level, diving a little deeper into the psyche of the horse type things you can do. Okay, so as you, okay, so like if you're just, we're just pulling numbers out of the air, but just assume if you're, if you're a thousand feet away, the dog, the dog has no influence over the horse. If you get to 500 feet away, that's where you start to notice the horse kind of wanting to look over there and you know, the, the dog starts to influence him. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to kind of ride towards the dogs and at, I don't know, 510 feet, right as his brain starts to say, hey, there's something over there, you're going to immediately just kind of turn him the opposite direction of the dog and have him trot away. Then you'll trot him away for, you know, a couple hundred feet. Then you'll come down to a walk and you'll circle around, come around again. Uh, this time you may not notice the dog influencing the horse until, uh, you know, 480 feet. But nonetheless, right when you start to notice the influence happening, 
you're going to say, hey, horse, turn, le- uh, turn away from the dog and trot away. Then you come back around, do it again, rinse and repeat. Well, before long, you'll be able to go within 20 feet of that dog, and he won't even start to notice, or it won't seem like he starts to notice the dog until uh, until he gets, like, within 10 feet from it. And you can do this in, like, just a couple sessions. This doesn't take long, and it works so good. Now, we're going to break it down a little bit and talk about what's actually happening there and why this works so good. Okay, well... When the horse, just before the horse starts getting influenced by the dog, his brain is going to kind of come off the path it's currently on and start going into, let's just call it the flight mode for lack of a better word. It starts veering towards flight mode. It starts taking the path that says, oh, I'm going to get bothered by that dog and lose focus and lock my attention onto the dog. Okay, well, when, like, just before all of that starts to happen, you're going to come in there. And you're going to kind of grab hold of his mind and say, hey, mind, don't go down that road here. Instead, instead, let me give you something better to do. Instead of doing that, do this, which is turn to the left. We'll get to trotting away in just a minute. But see, a lot of times people try to prevent a behavior when a lot, most of the time a lot better thing to do is say, hey, do this instead. So just kind of. Log that in your toolbox. It's a powerful, that's a powerful thing to know. Uh, okay, so you're going to turn him away from the dog. And what that's going to do is it's going to kind of be you stepping up to the plate, being a leader, giving him something better to do. And you're also going to be kind of uh, getting on the same, like it's, it's like you're getting on the same wavelength with his self-preservation instincts. So the instincts are about to say, hey, you need to move away and flee from this object over here. Okay, well, when the rider comes in and before the instincts even say it, the rider says, hey, move away and free from this object. I know this is counterintuitive, but that's why it works so good. Um, When the human does that, well, then the instincts are like, oh, wow, good job, human. Hey, horse, I'm going to now allow you to relax and be more confident because this human has just proven that they are capable and they are aware of how we operate, what makes us tick. This human is capable of keeping you alive. I'm going to allow this human to kind of have your mind. Okay. That's, that's just a a accurate way to kind of think about what's going on when you step in and say, Hey, turn away from the dog. Okay, well, then, remember I said, then have him trot off. Okay, well, what does a horse do when they get, uh, what does a horse do to be safe? They move their feet. So, once again, when the human is saying, hey, move your feet, I know this is counterintuitive, but just stick with me here. When the human's saying, hey, move your feet, once again, you're convincing those self-preservation instincts to let down the walls that they put around the horse, and that's going to further allow the horse to start trusting and confiding in you and being a follower because now you have started doing the things that the lead horse does to become the lead horse, right? So uh, that's kind of the psychological side of what's going on there. So see how now the human has become the hero in the situation. You see how now the human is the, the hero that saved the day and saved 
that horse's life as far as that horse is concerned, you know. So kind of doing what's counterintuitive. Now, see, people that people that don't really understand horses, they would say, well, no, you can't let him get away with that because then he won. Okay, well, we don't even have time to get into how – how that's not how you want to think about all this kind of stuff. But anyways, uh, think of ways to do those types of things. Think of ways to say, Hey, how can I set up this situation to where I can come out as the horse's all time favorite hero at the end of the day? You see how forcing him up into, uh, or here, let's rephrase this. This will be a lot better. So I am deathly afraid of snakes. Let's say me and my wife are walking down the sidewalk, and I'm on the right side of the sidewalk. And about 10 feet off to the right side of the sidewalk is a snake. And it's just a little garter snake. And my wife, who actually really likes snakes, uh, is like, Carson, it's just a garter snake. They're harmless. Here, let's go pick it up. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not getting within 100 feet of that thing. Even though I may know that it's a garter snake and that it's harmless, I'm still not going to go over there and pick it up. I'm not going to get within 10 feet of it. Okay, if it's a garter snake, I might, but just see where I'm going with this. Okay, well, imagine if we're walking down that, that path and we spot the snake, and then my wife, Brooke is her name, imagine then Brooke kind of starts to push me off the edge of the sidewalk, saying, Carson, just get up to it. Get up to it. Just just get up to it. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. Do you guys see how the more she pushed me up into that and the more she did not give me the room that I needed to yield? See, like if it was up to me, I would have drifted to the left side of the sidewalk, maybe even more than that, right? Uh, and if she did not allow me that room, I would get more flighty and I would get to where I really didn't want to go on walks with her anymore. So many times that's kind of what we do to our horses. So give them the room that they need. Now let's keep going with this. Let's say we keep walking back and forth past it. And then I kind of start to relax and I'm like, okay, yeah, it is just a garter snake. It's not like it's going to do anything. And, you know, if we kept making passes by that and she kept giving me that room that I needed to yield after several passes, I still wouldn't go up and pick up the thing. I can promise you that. But I would not feel like I needed to get on the far left side of the sidewalk plus another 10 feet to be okay. Uh, you know, after after several passes, I might even be able to just stay right on the right edge of the sidewalk. But I guarantee you, if she starts trying to push me up into that snake, I'm going to probably start to get a bad attitude. I'll probably start to pin my ears at her cues and uh, it will probably hinder our trust and our relationship of going on walks together instead of making it out where Brooke came out to be the hero. Where if she was like, hey, Carson, there's a there's a snake over there and I, it's just a garter snake. It's not going to hurt you, but I know how you are here. Get on the left side of the sidewalk. I'll get on the right side of it and see See how there I'd be like, oh man, I, I, I like going on walks with Brooke. So be Brooke. <laughs> that's, that's the moral of the story. Be, be Brooke in that scenario I just gave, not the first one where she 
tried to push me onto the snake. Uh, probably good we made that clarification. Okay. Hope you, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Carson James Podcast. Real. Simple. Horsemanship. Subscribe now to get new questions answered every week. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, drop us a review and share it with your horsey friends. 